Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to All My Block Podcast, the Green Bay Packer Podcast. All my myself, Amon Green, my good friend and teammate Mike Wall. He's about to clean and clean off the top right there. There it is, right there. <laughs> show, look at that backside, man. That's some posterior <laughs> chain work at its finest. That's how you clean off the top. You clean off. The you're power. not even allowed. You know what's funny is like people think you're not that's allowed. That's illegal to do now, that. right? No, it's but it's not. It's not. See, that's or frowned that, upon. That's it's frowned that's upon. What, that's what people want you to think. That's what right. this new generation wants you. They want you to think it's like I remember when when uh, I have a friend Matt Sheldon who works for the Raiders now, but he's a he's a amongst other things, he's 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 been an assistant coach. He's done a bunch of stuff, but now he's one of the, uh, he's a game management specialist. Okay. And back in the day when we were in Miami, he did a uh, he did like the rookie school, and so he oh, was looking yeah. for film to break down. He pulled out some of my old tape, and there was a bunch of like linemen in there. And I forgot who we were playing, but he just pulled out some random tape. But it was like back in the good days. I just, yeah. I was beating the hell out of these boys, right? And so he started putting up these Love this it. tape, and these guys were like, "Ah, oh, no, nah, man, you can't do that anymore." It's like, no, you wish you couldn't do that anymore because it would give you an excuse not to do it anymore. But yeah. that's how we used that, you know, like old like old school is the best school, man. Ain't no school like the old school. Exactly, exactly. I love that we are from the old school, and we'll get to Bet Online, our sponsor of the show here. Basketball is back. And BetOnline remains our number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. So you always find the latest odds, team matchups information, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. So as your continued source for all the sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, easiest way to bet all your favorite sports events, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, I say esports, and even golf. And head over to betonline.ag to rejoin and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BLEAV to get your rewards. So BetOnline, Mike, where the game starts. So do we know what do we know what the AG stands for? It's, I don't have no idea. I've never Amon Green and AG, you know. It's, right. It's just weird. I've been seeing a few websites have an AG at the end. I think it's just another thing oh, okay. like dot com or dot co or dot org or whatever. Yeah. So interesting. It is interesting to see that. I'm like, what? I need to get my I need to get my pick copyright money for that. We got the combine this week. <laughs> it starts tomorrow. And it's oh. like it, and the combine just becomes this like bigger and bigger inflated production now, right? And yes. I remember yes. And you and I have actually before we hadn't seen each other in years and we we, we saw each other at the combine a couple of years ago. Yeah. I five, six years ago now, right? And yep. It was. It's funny because once you're there, you see it from the perspective of obviously the fan. And when we're out of football, you see this from the fan. And then we've seen it from the player standpoint. But what the combine I think really is is just a place for coaches to fraternize. Because That's it. Because there's really nothing. That's else. one of the reasons. Yes. Because there's really not a lot of stuff you get done from a player's perspective, and we can go into it. But I just remember every night at every hotel. The lobby is packed until midnight, 2 a.m. Everyone's out just hound, you know, hound dogging a little bit. Yeah. And uh trying, you know, networking and elbow rubbing, man. That's what it's all about. Networking and looking for jobs. Right, right. I mean, like the the networking part, that's where I have respect for the combine because I'm like, okay, guys and women are there working to try to find their next uh spot, next job. But then in the fraternizing stuff, it's like, come on, man. I was like, 
I thought I thought as players we were young enough and dumb enough to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. But these are the guys that are teaching us, showing us how to develop as players, and they're out there doing the same damn thing. Thing, thing. I'm like, come on. I'm like, ah. Oh. So unfortunately, it, it's uh, that that I say that role for some guys. <laughs> it, it was uh, it was it was. I just remember it was very eye opening to me. And, and listen, yes. I don't think it's like. <clears throat> I think Sean McVay a couple of years ago, they didn't, he didn't send his staff because, because he just, it was admitting what everybody yeah. else kind of knew. It's, yep. just, it's it was completely useless. Everywhere. Yep. Now, when you're a player, let's just talk about the player experience. When you go, when you go yep. in as a player, the biggest thing that you get out of that, and, and I don't think this is necessarily right too anymore, but the, the argument was at least you got every single team could have their medical staff look at you. Correct. Right. But there's some other things that go on as well. Right. But uh, as we have team interviews, which we'll get to. Yep. We have, uh, and then obviously the combine drills, which, you know, a random coach decides, hey, I'm going to run the drills this year. And then they kind of go through it. It could be like, yeah. it could be drills that you approve of, drills that you, it doesn't really matter. And then they, they have obviously like the, the underwear Olympics and, and everything. If I'm <laughs> a like, player. I like that name. I like that I, name. If I'm a player, if I'm a player or if I'm an agent of a player right now, and I, I don't know your perspective on this, because what you'll hear a lot is, and what you'll hear on TV all week if you watch it is, Hey, listen, we want guys who want to come here and compete. And it's like, no, you really don't. You really no. don't care. You're no. just, you know, we're just trying to justify why we're here. Because every single one of these players that goes to the combine is have is going to have to validate their efforts at their own pro day, regardless. So if yes. you if you're the cornerback for the University of Miami and you go over here and you run a 4-2, they're gonna be like, all right, we want to see it again at the at, at pro day. We're gonna to to see you move at pro day. And yeah. when you look at as, a, as an athlete trying to put their best foot forward, you want to be in an environment where everything is – you can control the most you know, variables. So yes. you can control what bed you sleep in. You control your meals. You control your, your, your the temperature of the room. All of these things matter, right? And so yeah. I want to put my – I want to give my best effort. And maybe some people might say, gee, like, well, we, we can – we can go to the combine and if we don't do as well as we wanted, we can always do better on pro day. But if you go to Correct. pro, then you have all your eggs in one basket. But I think for most of us, we go, that, that's fine with me. It's yeah. like variables. I don't, what did you think about your experience there? My, my experience was the first day getting pulled on and prodded on probed was like, is this what I've been waiting for all my life? <laughs> I asked myself that question halfway through the pulling and tugging. And when I say mm-hmm. pulling and tugging, elbows ankles knees and anything, by, anything they might come up from any game during your career, entire career high your entire life of football of sports yeah. of sports and so you know me i'm i'm naive i'm 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 nice i do things well over top and so of course what you think i was doing i started back at little league i was going oh this you know when i was 10 i twisted my ankle and then so i figured it out about three teams after the first team i was like all right look this is what i got I did an ankle last year. I did my turf toe, and that, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I kept it short and sweet because I was like, oh, my God. Because it was like they're sitting right next to each other, and they don't credit the other team. You know, if it's a team from the AFC to the NFC, none of that which matters. Is, we, which is actually nuts if you think about it. Like, it's right. not, the fact that it's not standardized. And we've been we, – you and I have been on di- in different organizations, so we know that, yes. like, Pat McKenzie is better than – some other team doctors yes. and, 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 and flea staff. are is better than a lot flea. of the other trainers. Like yes. we know that, but yeah. having said that just for this, just to standardize and streamline this procedure, you would think 
that unless there's something really pressing, like they had a neck injury and like every you know, there's a specialist that wants to see it, you would think they'd be able to streamline this a little bit better. You would think so. And then from the actual running, and then I'll, I'll mention interviews later, but then the running side, I came into a situation where I had tweaked my groin mm-hmm. literally one week before the combine. So me and my agent, we had that conversation. And this was something that you just mentioned. So if you have something like that, then you want to go run your best if you can. And then pro day is where then you you can display being healthy. Our pro day was almost like three weeks to the day after the combine in Indianapolis. So that three weeks, icing the growing three times a day, I was ready to go. And that's where I was able to blast off and, uh, you know, put myself in what I thought was a different area, but obviously we still went third round. And as we learn later, as we know now, scouting is scouting. So, you know, it's a lot we can say about that aspect of it. But I'll talk about the the interview process once we get down that line. Yeah, man. Let's let's, let's hit it, man. So, so these interview questions over the over the course of the last decade, you hear right. some stuff come out of there. And I, so, to, so to paint a picture for everybody, and there's the New York Giants used to have a four hour test that you had to take, yes. and they would have you meet with the team psychologist. And the guy, the guy, at least when I met with him, the guy's he's not like he wasn't a nice man. No, right. He was, he was, I he remember. Was, yeah. He was, he, he, was he wanted to cause, he wanted to cause conflict, but yes. most of the time when you're and this is outside of the combine, when you're at the combine, you're literally getting talked to by, by coaches, not, not psychologists, not trained psychiatrists. You're getting talked to by coaches. So it's almost like, it's almost like these guys, some of them had read like a coloring book of like how to put people in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. And they start asking you these questions. So I pulled up a couple here, AG, that are from the combine for, you know, like, uh, do your, do you find your mother attractive? That was a question. One, yeah, of, the Falcons coaches, one of the Falcons coaches back in the day asked the guy flat out, do you like men? And he was talking about sexually. Wow. Would you, what, what would your murder weapon wow. of choice be? Would you be a knife guy or a gun guy? And you can see, okay, like I can go down the rabbit hole and go, um, knife guy or a gun guy. Okay. Do I like to be up close and personal? You know, okay, what does that, what does that yeah. say about me? Um, how many ways could you use a brick in a minute? You know, like, okay, well, let's see how fast they can quickly, you can think on their your feet. It's kind of an oddball question. Yeah. But, oh, and then like the, the, the standard one is always like, uh, would you rather be a cat or dog? Are you, a, are you a loner? Are you a pack animal, et cetera, et cetera. Correct. Right? Yeah. Those but, are the questions. Yeah. In the multiple choice. <laughs> and, and the thing and, is like, so, so when I was in business school, you have to, everybody has to read if you want to go into wall street which i i I went that's where i was going i was going into banking so it's like you have to read this book called a walk down i think it's called a walk down wall street and it's basically all the interview questions from every investment banking interview you've ever ever heard of and they're really really complex some of them well thought that's like elon musk is always asking like the north pole question and you know there's always these different things that guys want to ask get you thinking so you prep for it everything we know already at the combine like everything is scripted as far as yeah. These guys are uh, these athletes are going into this, and their agents are scripting answers for them for every question. So I, so I guess if I was sitting there, I you, you want to sit there and think. If I'm a coach, I, I want to ask a question he's not going to think of. So that's the impetus for doing a lot of this. I'm just wondering yeah. what do you, what do you have for for weird stories? And then like, is there any um, is there any questions? Like, what would you? How would you try to frame that conversation so you can get the most out of it? Yeah. So if I'm, you know, I'll say, well, what I've heard, I mean, I didn't have nothing completely weird. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, it was with the chiefs. I walked into the room and uh, everybody's wearing chief gear and they had me actually do some, 
hand eye stuff. Mm-hmm. So they gave me a pair of glasses. And so one lens was like literally Mike that that thick. One lens was that <laughs> thick. They had me put the glasses on, mm-hmm. gave me a uh, golf ball. Okay. Move the trash can about six feet away from me and said, Hey, can you toss that golf ball into the trash can with those specs on? Okay. So obviously I knew it was going to be a vision thing. So when I tossed the first time, I overshot, I put too much into it. So I overshot it. And got gave me the ball back, tossed it. The second time just was a like a little bit short. Then the third time I nailed it. Boom. What did you do to make it in that trash can? I was like, well, I just adjusted. I I threw it further on purpose to kind of see the depth. You know, my depth perception is off because of these glasses. And then threw it short. I mean, I threw it short just by mistake because then, okay, I thought I threw it far enough, but I think short enough was going to get it. But then I adjusted on the third one. They're like, okay. Then they start writing. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, okay. So I, I wonder if they're trying to evaluate how you learn, like, kinesthetically. Co- correct. But, but, you, right. but, you, but you wouldn't. Well, I mean, there's got to be a way. You got to do. You got to do it some way, I guess. Right, right. right. I guess that was their yeah. way. And no, uh, but being 21, I was 20 at that time. No, 21. I just turned 21 at that time. Of course, I'm like, mm-hmm. what the? In my head, I'm like, what is going on? Because it just, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting expecting the questions that eventually I saw later on the Giants Wonderlick test or whatever. Um, 400, the, the 400. Yeah, the four, the crazy questions. Like that's what I was expecting. You know, then I was expecting, okay, you know, you came out early as a junior. Why are you coming out as a, as a, you know, now? And what do you feel you, that you're ready for? I got those questions finally, because after that, it just threw me off that first uh, little exercise. And then they had me do a few little things too. And then like a little tennis ball. And da, da, da. I was like, okay, I was like, I could do this, but all right, this is something that is pertaining to football on some level. I don't know what it is, but. I hope I nailed it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's, yeah. it's I think now, like when I look at it, now, I, I would I would try to treat that as much like a job interview as I could. I mean, it would be really hands on. So we'd probably yeah. clear out the tables and we'd get into like our our stance, our pass set, or right. something, and like and just start talking through like what do you see here? Because I, I want to know how you think, and I also want to know how you react to my the way I talk and the way you talk. And it's a little Correct. bit more casual because that's how we operate. Correct. And, you know, a little less formal, but it, there would be a lot of it would just be all. Because you can gather so much information about, like, uh, you know, foundational knowledge, you know, resiliency, uh, you know, competitive mindset. I can gain all that just by asking questions about football. I don't need to ask you, like, uh, you know, how much do you love the sport? You know, what? uh, Or you know, give me your daily routine. Like, I want to get you. Like, let's get down, get in a set. You know, tell me the different ways you. Tell me where your where your eyes go when you when you're lining up at safety. You know. You know, before the ball snapped, tell me all these different things. You just oh, okay, and exactly. you go, okay, now you know actually how much they know, and it's like, all right, well, how much am I going to teach this person? Are they conducive to learning? Because exactly. they don't so, know if, if they, go ahead. No, I was going to say um, what I would add in there as a as a running backs coach. You know, if I am looking at running backs, if I'm looking at, or even at linebackers, I'm like, if I'm talking to a whole bunch of linebackers, I'm asking them if you see a um, I formation, double tight end set, <clears throat> where's your first read at? You know. Or what when you see that formation, what is the one obvious thing they try to make you think and see if they give me an answer? Because mm-hmm. obvious that's an easy one. That's a snowball one. Mm-hmm. They're thinking they're making me think as a linebacker, we're running the ball. So okay, if you give me that answer, then I'm like, okay, good. He's at least he knows the the root, very easy level of 
of uh, play recognition. All right, now you got something a little different. Yeah, it's the same formation, but then you see a, their Pro Bowl tight end is hitched off in an offset. So what's that going to then bring you into the mindset of? You know, you got to look at that. He's their best. It's a Travis Kelsey sitting in that offset position. What are you, what's then your mind going to tell you pre-snap? So you got to think about those things because obviously that's what we're dealing with defensively as linebackers. You're dealing with tight ends like Travis Kelsey that can run and block and can do screens and all that stuff that as we've seen Casey do. Because obviously that's the team. Uh, that's the number one team right now in the NFL. It's like mm-hmm. stopping the Chiefs, dealing with Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and the rest of the receivers. You got to ask me. I got to see if you know defensively or offensively as a running back that you can uh, coach and that you can understand what you're going to face out there on the football field. That's actually a great segue, AG, because we last last week I I put out something in Twitter. If you had a first round pick, a third round pick, and you got priority free agent signed, so like fifteen million dollars a year, right? Which mm-hmm. which covers most, not all, um, positions, right? Sure. What would you do? And there was a ton of different kind of. There's a, a couple of themes that came through, but the, there was okay. a ton of different thoughts on who we should who we should go after, who should be the first rounder, who should be the third rounder, who should be the free agent. What do you think? First rounder, third rounder, a priority free agent for $15 million a year. Oh, man. I'm about to go priority free agent, $15 million. No, no, no. So you get all – I'm oh. telling you, you get all three. Oh, right? okay. I, so my here, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that – and I actually kind of – I really do kind of feel this way when I look at the team – I think the Green Bay Packers are probably three really good players away from competing with the Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers as they stand yeah. right now, Yeah. right, uh, next season. Now, there's other things that are going to happen. I'm not saying that all teams are going to improve or get worse or whatever during the offseason. But as of right now, if I look at this team, assuming you're going to have your quarterback back, I go, okay, mm-hmm. we're three. I think we're three position players away. I'm just wondering what you think. Oh, so what- no, I no, I agree. I think, I think they are. Um, and – one of those, some I say, if not one, definitely possibly two of those players are on defense, yeah. and it's in the uh, because you got Adrian Amos, he he's now gone, you know, mm-hmm. Cap Casualty. Mm-hmm. So bringing in somebody defensively in the backfield, defensive backfields, all the so the back seven or eight guys, because we know Aristos will be back. We'll just see where he's going to come, you know, out of that surgery on his ankle, I think his shoulder too. So um, bringing in a strong safety, bringing in another corner, you know, even keeping Nixon. You know, because I know he's a free agent too. So that's a guy as we that showed up. I'm not sure on, he'll be back. Oh, yeah, I, exactly waiting. on special teams and on defense as well with some picks coming mm-hmm. later this later half and him being familiar that'll be good. And then having a first round pick somewhere in the interior, defensive line or O line as well. That's I, said, I, I said, uh, well, I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. I think you, I think you need a tight end. I think you need a safety. And I think you need off. I, you probably my my pick would be for offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. Some people would say edge. A lot of people said ed, edge rusher. So for me, the tight end position, given the fact that you have a um, a veteran quarterback, yeah, and you want to have an impact now, I think there's some really good tight ends in this draft. Like I'm excited about a number of these tight ends. We probably we can go over them a little bit, but you'd love to see them go pick up like. Adult and Schultz and Evan Ingram, like guys, these guys are going to cost about fifteen million a year at the tight end exactly. position, right? So it, it's it well just, worth it, though. Yeah, so I th- yeah, that's what I th- I just think it's worth doing that. Um, uh, even uh, who was I? Who was I? Oh, Austin Hooper, and he's maybe not he what he was, but twenty eight years old. 
He's right. a, he's he's always been a solid blocker. He can he can he made plays against us this year when he was playing for Tennessee, right. and he's a guy that we could go pick up, and maybe he's a bridge guy while you bring in another tight end project. There's a there's, like I said, there's a couple guys that are going to go in the first round here, but they, their yeah. football intelligence would have to be super high. There are three dudes at safety that I'm excited about, and I don't know, I don't know if they're if they're worthy of first round picks or not. But there's a kid from Boise State, JL Skinner. 6'4", mm-hmm. 220, right? Just 6'4", right. 220, freak athlete, playing strong safety. I immediately go, Cam Chancellor, man. That, okay, let's do it. Like Adrian yeah. Wilson, let's go, yeah. right? Like I I, yeah. I want one of those guys on this team. Then you think of Jamie Robinson from Florida State, 5'11", 203, compact guy, really good tackler, strong in the run game. Sidney Brown from Illinois, 6'2", 205, compact guy, really strong in the run game. There's a lot of guys that are ball hawks and that are maybe a little bit thinner, I'm looking mm-hmm. for that, like I'm looking for that guy who leaves an impression on you when they make a tackle. And those three guys, when I, I was kind of just going through some tape and going watching some safety play, I always go back to like Adrian Wilson's one of the baddest dudes I, I played against. Watching Cam mm-hmm. Chancellor, I lo- I love that kind of guy. Troy Polamalu coming in downhill. He dude, hurt. You know Troy. You know Troy when you Troy hurt. Like, you know Troy when you're played at like uh, what he you told me played at like two sixty or something. Yeah, I was like when you said that, I was like. What? No He's way. A, he, the guy's unbelievable. He but hurt. There's some opportunities there. So first you go, you know, or and then interior offensive line, you or or tackle, right? There's a there's mm-hmm. a bunch of guys. I, I I showed some guards. You know, for me, uh the kid from the Northwestern, if you had a first round pick and that kid from Northwestern, uh Skaronsky, if he was there, you could put him anywhere on the line. He's they're gonna be better. Like he's he's really, really good. I did a show last week, Black Party show where I showed him um, there's a a kid from North Dakota state. It's going to be good. He's, he's more of a project, but that kid and the kid from uh, Alabama, Emil, he is going to be really good as well. He's a, he's going to be a guard for sure. The other kid could play both, even though he's only six, three, but both those, those two kids and me, I forgot his last name from Alabama and then Skaronsky from Northwestern. Mm -hmm. If we could get either of those guys first round safety, third round, and then pick up a free agent tight end. If Dalton Schultz was available, that'd be awesome. If Evan Ingram was if available, that'd be awesome, right? Or Hayden, we go start going down the line, Hayden Hurst. I think yeah. right there you have the makings of a team that you can go out and say, we can beat and compete for the NFC Championship against the Niners, against the Eagles, et cetera. Otherwise, I just yeah. don't think you can, honestly. No, because you got those tight ends and the way they built and what they've done and coming from the schools that you know they were blocking, number one. That was something they had to do to be a part of those rosters in the Big Ten, um, in the SEC. And obviously, that's what we've talked about among the tight ends that been on the Packers roster. Mercedes Lewis being the one that we favored. And then Tunyon got a little better this year, a little better. Um, but that's where that was probably why he's not on the roster right now, maybe in a decision making of that, along with the money, too. Um, because as we know, these tight ends, and I like how you worded five, they got to be, was it five tool? Five tight tool ends? guys, man. Yep. Five tool guys. You got to be able to catch the ball and block for your running, for the running back, for the, for the um, offensive line, along with the offensive line to make yourself valuable. Because if you're not putting up Travis Kelsey num- numbers, then you need to do work, period. And you got to have that mindset. I think any tight end should know that coming out of the Big Ten, coming out of SEC, ACC schools that do run the ball first and then pass is a second necessity if they have to. There's a handful of guys in the draft this year that, like, just from a physical standpoint, you go, okay, we can work with this. Um, the kid from Utah, he's you know, he's the he's that receiving tight end. For mm-hmm. me, well, let me ask you this, A.G. 
given what we have, and I think I'm, I'm setting you up because I know the answer, like given what we have on offense and getting where, you know, given what we want to go, like what kind of tight end do you want? Do you want to, there is, I'm not saying Travis Kelsey, but do you want a Travis Kelsey type tight end or do you want a George Kittle, Mark Andrews type tight end? Um, I love Travis Kelsey, but I want Mark Andrews. I want Kettles. Yeah. I like, I, mean, I, I like their brand. attitudes. It's their, like, I love Kelsey's attitude. He is a dog as we call it, mm-hmm. but we are, I know his mindset is he will help with the run, but that's not his priority. You could just know that. And that's okay. That's what's making him a potential hall of famer. Nothing against that, but guys that are tailored and have the physique to do it and actually has the want to is Kettle. I've, we've seen film of Kettle driving the guy off the ball and planting him in the ground and then helping him up. That's what he wants to do. And then you know what? He'll go one hand a touchdown just for the fun of it, but he wants to block. And so you got to have guys that want to block, not just at the tight end position, but every position on that offensive line and on that deep on our, I say wide receivers and running backs that want to go and get yards. You got a guy, you got to have guys that want to be physical pretty much. There's a guy, Sam Laporta out of used to put out safeties. I mean, Woo. Yep, that's uh, who who came out? There? Oh, uh, what's his name from the we Indianapolis played. Colts Player of the Year? Um, oh, oh what's his name from back in the day? He yeah. was with Pey- biggest trap I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I, little guy, but he would he yep. packed the punch. Ah, uh, number we'll twenty one. I yep. said, think yeah, of his, we'll name. We'll he, his name. He wore twenty one. He was a problem. I had to keep an eye on him. Bob Sanders, Sam. Le- Bob Sanders. Bob that's Sanders. what it was. Bad yep. dude, man, scary. I had to keep a, I had to keep an eye on him. Sam Laporta from Iowa. He's one of those guys. He has an upside. He's 6'4", 6'5", 249, so 250 pounds, athlete. Dalton Kincaid, Utah guy. He's the Travis Kelsey type. When I see the guy from Notre Dame, that uh, Michael Meyer, no no reference to the Halloween movies. When you see Spelled a guy, differently with an yeah, A, not an E. But if you see this guy playing, you go, you go, oh, yeah, Gronk. Like, you, oh, like Chewy. Right. You know what I mean? Like Marshall. Yeah. You start looking at these guys going, this – there's something to this now. Um, and the Oregon State guy, I mean, he looks – he just looks amazing. Luke, Luke Musgrave. Great. Luke Musgrave. Yeah, he's like 265. I mean, the guy's a monster. He can block. He get his, his catch radius is ridiculous. He can contort his body. He's, you know, he's a fascial athlete. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys aren't going to be that. And it now it just becomes a question, like, if you had the chance to pick up the Oregon State kid or, uh, or the Notre Dame kid in particular here, because I think they have – they have high ceiling or high floors. Right. And I think they both have high ceilings. The question I think really becomes, are they, if you have Aaron Rodgers back and you start doing all this, you know, this mental math with it's going to cost 40 against mm-hmm. 40 million on the cap this year, 60 million next year. So you really, do we have him for two years now instead of one year, if he comes back, blah, 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 blah. Can you get him ready in that, in that amount of time? Who's your tight end coach? You know, right. is, is he familiar with an offense like this? Does he fit in? And that's my last point. Can he just fit in? Not mm-hmm. not even the point. Can you develop him into that position? Because you got time to do that as a coach. The mm-hmm. one thing is, can he just fit in? Can he fit into the offense? You know, in terms of his size, his ability, and then the scheme. Does it does it help out the scheme to have a guy, you know, in there just because he passed the eye test? Because sometimes that don't match up. You got to make sure. Does he fit into the scheme? And does it make sense? And and you just think about. The beginning of the season, and you with the with the you know Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watt, they look right. good. Then all of a sudden, okay, we get into NFL games, and right. Aaron's complaining, you know, complaining about that they're not ready or not naming names or anything. But that's you know right. that's how you passive aggressive stuff, and that all the hand signals and all this nonsense. I don't know. Like I I didn't really ever think about this, but 
so tight end is my favorite position in football offensively mm. because I think the tight end gets to do more cool stuff. Like you get a block on the mm. line, you get to yep. go in motion and block, you get to catch passes. You know what I mean? You just you get yeah. to do everything. It's just it's yep. it's a, the best. It's like a you're a Swiss Army knife. It and, is. But but from that perspective, especially if you want to run like the the way that a lot of these offenses are going, stretching the field uh, horizontally and vertically with pre snap motions, like. That I think that job might be harder to learn than a receiver's. Like I think offensive line is relatively easy to learn. I think after that, I think running back is probably easier to learn than wide receiver because of you you spend more time at least in one place, if that makes sense. Yep, I can a validate that. I yeah, can validate that because yeah, our my run game at Nebraska, once I got to the league. The basic run plays, inside run, outside yeah. run, counter, power, was the same at Nebraska, and it was the same at Seattle. It was the same at Green Bay, West Coast offense. So I agree with you there. There was not much adjustment other than me understanding now audibles from the office line to me to make sure where I need to go fit in on run fits or blitz fits when they were blitzing us or there was change up in the uh, – um, it was audible in the offensive line from the quarterback. So, yeah, I agree with that. And Yeah, and then you, but then you get to you know tight end and wide receiver, and it's like – Every single route could yes. be di- – there's concepts. Everything's different. But from the blocking standpoint, from a tight end, you got to deal with – now you're dealing with a 285. Every every single mm-hmm. week they got a stud defensive end you got to play against or two of them. Yep. Right? You got to deal with on that. You got to deal out. with linebackers in the run game on the yep. way out. Right? <laughs> so every every everything's more difficult. And then you have to – and then you have the passing game to complement. So I, it's it's a huge playbook. That would be the only thing. That's mm-hmm. why I would I might – be in favor of bringing a free agent guy in. Although I think long-term I would say I would take either of those two guys we just talked about over any free agent right now, just, and just take a shot. If I, if I feel really good about the developmental capabilities of my tight end coach, that's right. what I would do. Yeah. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see, but free agents, I'll say free agency would probably be the best bet out of that mm-hmm. right now. It would be, so. I'll be interested who they keep, you know, do they bring Mercedes, Adrian Amos, who, like which one of those guys comes back or which, which groups of those guys comes back. But yeah, I, I feel I'm, somebody's going to come back. At least one is going to come back. I'm those, with you too. Uh, I, I think I might, I might say edge over interior defensive line um, just because and they'll probably bring back, maybe they bring back Dean, but you think about like Reed's probably coming back. Um, they got Kenny. The, the Devontae Wyatt's going to be better next year. Like that wrote, I think you, you got to look at that rotation and go, man, I feel pretty good about it. Right. Um, whereas a- the edge, what what's the thing we talked about all year is like once Gary went out and, and yeah. Ari no shows promise, but it's like, he's, he's not very, I'm just telling you from an alignment standpoint, like he's not big enough for me to care about. You no, know what I mean? Like no, you, you got to be another 20 pounds bigger, 15, 15 pounds bigger for me to actually go like, Oh, I'm really worried about you play in and play out exactly he does he he has the he's like a, a tad under a size dn that mm-hmm. like you said offensive lineman be like oh man this is going to be a problem he, but i can handle him he's because he's weight weight wise and then experience wise it's not all there yet it's going to come hopefully with years he showed promise which is a good thing well it's like i mean when kabir was getting all those sacks there's a point in kabir's career where kabir was like i don't want to play run anymore yeah, you know what I mean, and, and it was and we we all hated it. We, like, he knew what got it. him paid. He knew yeah, what yeah. got him paid. But, but but the but the other the other side of that was as opposed to like you know Campman. I don't know if I don't think Campman. Maybe I wasn't there when he said it, but I don't remember him ever saying that. But Kabir was small, so he yeah, was like, he was dude, small. what am I doing? Like getting beat up like out here. And that's five. Yeah, he was fifty on a heavy day. 
and he he had great leverage and speed and explosiveness yeah. and and he had a great technique with with the way he could rush and create power mm-hmm. but playing and play out it's just that's a lot to ask of a guy who's like 245 pounds so yeah you need, you need to have that it's great to have a guy who's like two once you hit like 265 it's like you're a problem every single play and offensive linemen are like oh yeah because i remember i remember plays where the teams figured it out with kabir mm-hmm. and he would take his wide speed uphill rush and then boom it's a draw play right where he left you know it's a big space because he's going toward the edge because he wants to get up and i remember uh big jethro getting into him hey da, 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 da. i'm like he I mean, knows he didn't, he, he didn't care at all he yeah, didn't he care was, yeah he's he just to get paid exactly all right, I got a question for you. So, Charles, I was watching First Take today, and Charles Barkley was on. Yeah, I, lo- I love Charles. Chuck is a cool dude. So, I Charles Barkley, here's another conversation, but yeah. I think that TNT show is the best show on TV as far as, it like, is. Pre, it was, like, you know, their halftime show, the pregame. It's it's the best thing going. And somebody yeah. said last week, they're like, you know what the problem with the NBA is? The best the best thing about watching the NBA is the Charles Barkley Shaq show. <laughs> it's better than the games. And, I, and hey. I, went, I sat there, and I went, Oh, you're right. Like I, I would actually, if I was going to go on YouTube or something and watch a clip of a, a clip of a game or or something they said, it's probably what they said. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're they're yeah. they're a riot. They they there's is no um it's transparent. They're not sugarcoating anything. And I think an NBA that's the difference between NBA and NFL shows. There's a lot of cover it's, up or it's set up. It's too set it's, up in the NFL. Exactly. It's too scripted. Yeah, it's scripted. too scripted. It's too scripted. Like it's too scripted. So I love, yeah, I love it. I met them behind. I remember went down there for an interview mm-hmm. with TNT for for some um, video game for esports stuff. And I met Ernie. I met. I saw Shaq again, and then talked to uh, Chuck and Kenny. Were all there? And I'm just like, I said, Ernie. I said, let me ask you a question. Just as you talked about, it's called the the was it the Shaq or uh, Charles and Shaq show. Mm-hmm. I said, how do you how do you manage the chaos? And he just kind of looked at me and smiled. It's like, he said, I don't have to. I just let them go. My job is just to let them go. And I'm like, that's it. That's an easy thank you. I said, that's all I wanted to know. And he said, because he said, they, they're the show. I know that. They're, the, yeah, they're, they're it. And, and then he said, but it's the honesty. That's what I love about it. And that's what everybody behind the scenes love about it. It's the honesty, what they give to the people listening in, tuning in, and then us here in the studio. That's what they, that's what is the best thing about it, the honesty. So Charles, on with, he's on with Stephen A. today, okay. and, he, and he said, only non-players, so he was talking about media, mm-hmm. or fans, I guess. Correct. Would, yeah. Only non-players would challenge a player's greatness based on their championships. In other words, he says, people who have been in the trenches, people that have mm-hmm. actually played, don't, and he was talking about Chris Paul, and you know, he was talking about himself and all these. Correct. About, hey, we don't look at that and go, <clears throat> they didn't win, they're not on par with, other Hall Look, of Fame guys, correct? Situation: Michael just, Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, right? Right. It, Tom it, Brady, whatever, right? Yeah. So now you start thinking about it, and they go, "Neither of us won championships." Right. But it, there's a I, but. Well, that's but the, but it's it is interesting, right? Because we do yeah. like you think about how much. So there's really two like in our generation. There's really two people that have a ton of like on camera, off field success. Mm-hmm. After they play, Dallas, Jerry, anybody who's affiliated with Jerry Jones, and they, none of them won championships, right? Mm-hmm. At least with Jerry, but right. Jerry Jones is a kingmaker, and the New England Patriots, right? Yeah, and New England Patriots turned guys who were just they could have been 
that could have been their third team, fourth team. They turn them into champions and right. they're viewed differently. And they, as I, on the one hand, I go as well, they should be because I know how hard it is to win a championship. Yeah. But on the other hand, there's respect. Yeah. Sometimes you go, well, wait a second. They're not like some of these guys weren't even, you wouldn't say they were special. You wouldn't name them and guys you were worried about playing against. Exactly. Um, but they, but they are viewed differently, and it, it, what, I just thought it was an interesting point, man. I don't know if you had any thought pro, thought on it. You know, the, no, not the I, way we think about it versus, I guess, everybody else thinks about it a completely different way. Yeah, I bring this up to my friends and family, my wife. We talk about this constantly because it pisses her off mm-hmm. because guys like us, because she knows your situation. You know, I explain. You know, my she knows my situation in terms of coaching with the NFL team and. You know, what What the hell? Why you're not on a team coaching, you know? So just understanding that that's just, you know, part of being on either a coaching staff in a league or either NBC or CBS or ESPN in terms of that respect, because team those places like ESPN, like NFL Network, they're looking at Super Bowls and hiring you because they know bringing you in and that standpoint will bring more viewers from that standpoint mm-hmm. and, 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 and the entertainment side. But then on the coaching side, too. They're looking at that like, oh, this guy won championship. You know, it's like, okay, but some See, guys this is the, the issue, This is the interesting thing, though, AG. Like, one, right. one thing I would – I guess what I would say about that, and I, I don't know if it's – if I was going to make a general statement and not make it about mm-hmm. you specifically, right. Right, if you wanted to get into a team, I would say, mm-hmm. okay, this is, you, have to, you have to look at the specific person. But if I was going to say something generally, uh, like the reason that some free agents go to the Super Bowl and then get – get a ton of money like a lot why a lot of teams broke up was because guys go to the Super Bowl and they get paid more and the reason is that those owners want to bring in guys that have been there and done that and I and like I do I actually do get that but that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that we look at them differently as far as their contribution to the sport um but Mm -hmm. but I do but I do see the appeal like if you have two guys that are equal, one's won a championship. I'm gonna go. Well, they know how it feels to win a championship. I want more of them. Yeah, I, right. I, I do get that, but it's yeah, it is what it is. I guess it's just. Yeah, it's, I it, thought it was an interesting comment by him. It is an interesting comment, interesting conversation. You know, because you look at the fact of you know for players that were like, I mean, I mean I'm trying to find a player for example. Well, I just know I know a guy. Mm-hmm. He was a tight end for the Broncos. I won't mention his name, but. He was probably he basically what I call it sometimes. He was in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. He was on both. He got drafted uh, out of Wayne State College, which is a, out of Nebraska. It was a small college in Nebraska, not Wayne State, Michigan, but Wayne State, Nebraska. Tight end came was in college was a wide receiver, but then switched over to tight end and then was on the rosters behind Shannon Sharp. And now he is still um, working overseas in the whole grassroots of the NFL going to Europe type situation with NFL behind the scenes. So he's been doing that mm-hmm. for the past 15 years. He actually asked me to, you know, probably be a part of it, but it just didn't fit my, you know, what I was doing at that time. So to, to that credence in terms of what he did, the, the NFL is, you know, looking at that, Oh, he was on the Super Bowl team, but you wouldn't even know it. You would mm-hmm. not know it if you didn't know him personally or what mm-hmm. his contribution to that team was. And that's going referring to you, you know, in terms of, who was on the team? Was it just a guy that put in time and actually did this to help that team win? Or was it somebody just a third string guy, but was on the roster and then played time to time on, on special teams. So you have those scenarios where you, as a player, you look at him like, Oh no, he was a good player, but. Well, Ruggie, I would say. Yeah. Right. right. Ruggie was a, but a he journeyman. didn't do this. He was a journeyman. 
Right. Uh, but he's got Super Bowl rings and he's he earned three Super of them, Bowl, right? And he earned two or, and he, three? Uh, yeah. two or three, but he earned Super two Bowl rings. And it's, uh, you know, sometimes it pays to be in the right place at the right time, man. Oh, and I, 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 I always think of Joe at Jersey because he was, you know, it's like somebody had to get cut. He got cut and then he goes and wins right. three rings. And I'm like, we just go, you son of a bitch. <laughs> hey, you hit it right, man. All right, man. Let's get on here, G. Yeah. I okay. Like I got to, you already. know, I got to bring it up. I got to bring it up. So I saw our uh, the athletic report. I read the I read the article. The athletic guy came out, and you know Russell Wilson had called management in Seattle and said, "I'm not cooking enough. I want you to fire John and Pete. I want to bring in uh, Sean Payton." And of course, then it sa- it sounds like he w- he did that, and then management's like, uh, "Okay, um, hey Pete, John, can you guys come in here? Yeah, you're right. uh, yeah." Russ just asked me to fire you guys. What do you want to do? And then they, you know, they tra- you know, they pull the trade. That's what it sounded like happened, right? Right. So then he comes out and he says, like, Pete was a father figure to me and this thing. Right. Like, yeah, that's what I was Okay, saw. dude. Right. I, okay, like, awkward situation. Very awkward. <laughs> awkward situation. Uh, just, he's just, it's just, he, he can't, it's. It's just it's just difficult right now, man. It's just tough. I get it. No, I get it, man. You like when I saw it, I'm like, okay, this is just um, the clickbait type of stuff. But mm-hmm. why and how credible is is this? You know, um, but this doesn't. Yeah, either way, for especially for Russell, it does not look good at all. It doesn't sound good at all. It looks Every completely go- believable, is what it. And I'm not even saying that right. like down on him. I'm just telling you, right. If if you're a guy who thinks, let's say you think you're a top three quarterback in the league, which he probably thought he was. I don't know if everybody mm-hmm. thought he was, but he probably did. No, oh, he pretty. Yeah, he, yeah, he knows that. Yeah, and he's not he's not winning, and you know they're not doing. He's probably going like, I, you know, it's and well, listen, we we could tell by the way he brands himself that he yes. he clearly at one point thought that he was a pretty big deal. Yeah. So the idea that he would go and talk to management about bringing in somebody that fit his skill set more, like. That happens all the time. That's not like a, a non-unique thing. That wouldn't be the first time that happened in, in sports, right? It's no. just this one This one happened to happen right before he had one of the worst seasons of his career. Yeah, but of course. I could see probably in baseball and basketball for sure. This probably goes on oh, all basketball? the time. Basketball? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could probably see that. But yeah, huh? Ooh, interesting. The NBA had a... A game, second highest game uh, ever, one hundred and seventy-six points to one hundred and seventy-five points. The Kings defeat the Clippers. I just we just talked about Charles Barkley's show. Like, who wants to watch a game that's that that's that egregiously bad on defense? You know what I mean? Like Jack. I mean, that that, That nobody. What's the what's the strategy? If because the game, it's not like they played two games, right? (laughs) Right. In in the (laughs) amount of time it takes to play one game, you score what is that three hundred and 53 points? 351 yeah, points? There's there's no strategy on defense. Zero. It's literally it's I mean cuz you you look at between I mean even our generation on the court let's go to the basketball court. Our generation on the basketball court, we knew and we seen the rule changes in basketball too. That we knew that if a guy would go in the paint I don't care who it is, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson. If they went to the paint, they were going to pay for it. Yes. So that's why, obviously, that's now this three-point shooting craze. Everybody's shooting the threes or outside jumpers, shooting from half court. 
You got Stefan Curry. He's one of them. Um, the kid from uh, Portland. And the defensive side of it has been forgotten because of the changes to the offense. And, and obviously, as they know, just like football, it's a passing game because it puts more money in the seats. Quarterbacks getting paid more. Wide receivers getting paid more. So on basketball side is three-point shooters. Those are the guys. We got to make sure since they can't go in the cup, they can't go in the middle. But it's not really the rule anymore to do that. So now it's okay where a coach – I had a kid. my Actually, my great-nephew, high school, all-stater, Miller, he went to Miller North High School. Mm-hmm. His first year at uh, – what is it? Um, right out of uh, Loyola, Chicago, mm-hmm. which is a prominent Missouri yep. Valley school. They go to the tourney every year. And he he called me and we talked his first semester, summer semester, going into his freshman year. He said, I'm so mad at my high school coach. And I'm like, what? He said, we are now playing. I'm learning how to play real defense now. This was at the high school level. Yeah, so I know if they're doing that. That's not good. If they're doing that at the high school level. So the NBA is no surprise. Right. He said, I'm so upset because now I'm play, I'm learning how to play defense, like shutting people down. That's like double team. You know, moving my feet, hands up in the air, distraction, doing Steve, things. You know. Steve Kerr said something last year that resonated with me, and I, I talk to athletes about this all the time. Mm-hmm. He's, I, I, I'm misquoting him, but he said essentially, like, what are we talking about? Like, I have guys on my team that don't even know how to box out. I know how to box out. But, but you know, I mean, national, like National yeah. Basketball Association. He's like, yeah. he's like, play defense. He goes, I don't even know how guys know how to box out in this league. Like, it's, it's that. That's where we're at. And it's yes. unfortunate. Here's a, here's another one though, Ag. So with the NBA, yeah. with all that said, load manage NBA. The product is not as we just said. Charles Barkley is more fun to watch than some of the games. Correct. The product isn't as good as it used to be. Although the athletes are as of not more talented. Yeah. But we're talking I about agree. fundamentals of the sport, being the best of the base. Blah blah blah. Load mm-hmm. management's a huge issue. And here's what kind of blows my mind, and I can't. I just can't wrap my head around this. Okay. Because next next collective bargaining agreement, these guys are going to be making – right now they're making $40, $50 million of top-end guys. The guys that mm-hmm. we're talking about that aren't playing because they don't want to play. So you break that down. If a guy, let's, The next thing, if they jump that up to $70 million, I mean, you're almost talk, – right now you're talking about ha- over half a million dollars a game. Okay? They make okay. over half a million dollars a game. That's how much money they're making. Yeah. And they can't play in that game. They can't play four days a week. That blows my mind. And so what I – I don't know how to do this because it would just – obviously, it's not good for – like ESPN, like LeBron James basically owns ESPN, right? Like everything that he does goes on ESPN. I don't know yeah. why, but it's it's not clutch sports. Must own right, right. But like LeBron's – like if you looked at uh, – they did this side-by-side with uh, John Stockton's first 18 years in the league and LeBron okay. James and how many games missed. And mm. it was like LeBron's oh. crazy number – to like yep. John Stockton's like two or like some ridiculous thing. Right. And it was just because of, yeah, it was just because like there was no load management idea. Right. Or Kawhi Leonard, you look at Kawhi Leonard and like Greg yeah. Popovich did it like great Popovich did this, but now two thirds right. of the team, two thirds of the team are, are um, in the playoffs. So it's like, I don't You have 82 games, which clearly don't matter because two thirds of the teams are in the playoffs. And then Adam Silver's out there going like, okay, this isn't good for the game. Well, it's like, well, you did it. Like, this is your fault. Yeah. Why do you keep expanding the playoff range? Take right. the playoffs down to six teams again and see what happens. I'll bet you they start playing more. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, that, that playing, it's just like extra, like the extra season game for the NFL. You know, it was just added for entertainment value. 
And and it does bring like I watched it. I mean, I remember last year, the first year of it, mm-hmm. it I saw the excitement around Wisconsin, you know, just be even though the oh, Bucks right. were in, you know, it was just interesting how to watch Stephon Curry. He was his team was the playing one of the playing teams, and I can't remember the other one, but the excitement just here around here because it was basketball season, the Bucks were in the playoffs, but now you got this extra game. You know, it's almost like NCAA again. It was like and another Steph. and yeah. it's Steph. Wait till it's like the Kings. Right. The Kings for the team, they'd be like, ah, whatever. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I, I, I get your point. You see what I'm saying? So it just yeah. brings that extra assignment. So the people that are producing this, obviously, ESPN, TNT, that's hey, they're geniuses. They they figured it out. Okay, you know, that's what you could say today. <laughs> I got I got out. one more for you today. Gotcha. What's up? So Aaron Rodgers goes in this dark retreat, right? And everyone's kind of like yeah. poking fun at him and whatnot. And then yeah. you, you kind of go like, why are we making fun of him for trying to better him? Like the dark retreat right. thing is supposed to I've said him. this. Or I said that was the first thing I said. Yeah. I said that to myself. And I think talking to my family was like, they're making fun of a guy who actually is better than himself. Yeah. But we know how society, like, I know, I'll say personally, I know how society is. See, society. That's why I don't. I do my. I follow. I'm a. I'm. I march to the beat of a different drummer because I already know the society of stigmas or society. You know, when to tag people with, and if you say you're doing something like this for yourself, of course it's like, oh my god, it's. But you know, it's so it just it's just interesting. You know, that's a whole. I could go down that road forever. <laughs> you know, so he's a. a, a ayahuasca and, and yeah and so all, so the darkness retreat like they've shown that it you know it has a it has an impact on your uh your melatonin secretion it has a mm-hmm. it can it can give you the same results as taking like dmt which is a plant-based chemical very similar to like psilocybin which in like magic mushrooms so like the, mm-hmm. that like that whole experience of going on that that psychedelic journey right in some form can happen in these things. And that's what I think when, once you, I think once you get to that point, I think that's what you're always chasing again. Right. Yeah. Um, so I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, you know, my, on the one hand, you know, it's like you're tired of all the drama on the other hand, it's like a dude, the dude's trying to better himself. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, too. I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it's just like cleansing out your system from having a bad diet or whatever. You got to do that. If you want to live longer, I know I do. I want my goal is to live to 80. That's my goal. So I'm gonna do everything help possible. Get sleep. Don't drink a ton 80, of alcohol. 80, 80 seems like it's not ambitious, man. I feel like you should be saying 100. It's right there. I'm about to. I might change that thing to a C. Yeah. Note. Go get yeah. a cold tub and a sauna. Go to I got. Hey, I do it every day. I don't Dude. do the sauna. I do the cold tub every day. So I'm going on the sauna. I'm going on the sauna here in the next month. But I, yeah, we got the cold plunge too. All right, yeah. Ag. That's All it right, for Mike, this week. man. Yeah, good job. So uh, let everybody know where they can find you, man. Michael 68 on Twitter and TikTok, prostitute performing Instagram. I'm going to do a block party. I'll probably do these tight ends, actually, uh, sometime this week. And nice. uh, so check that out on the uh, YouTube channel, prostitute perform. All right, you can find me on MonGreen30, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. And the long one that Mike doesn't have to type no more, MonGreen Gamers, Gamers Lounge, My favorite on, one. TikTok, on and TikTok and YouTube. So check me out there. So see you all next week. Have a good rest of your day, week, everything. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E. 
AV on YouTube.